Good afternoon, everyone. Um, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 25, and uh, that's on page 807 of your Pew Bibles. The Scripture does say to honor your father and your mother, and uh, we do have some very special guests that are here with us today that flew in all the way from Japan, where they've been serving as missionaries for 43 years. So, Mom and Dad, you guys might just want to wave hi, quick. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. All right. Just wanted to throw that in there quick. They're only here at the 3 p.m., so... All right, so we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 1 and uh, going through that. And I'm going to tell you a story about a man that we don't always uh, put a lot of attention on, but he's somebody that got everything that he ever dreamed of. All his dreams came true, but not in the way that he had expected. In 2015, um, Hamilton came out, was a huge success on Broadway. Everybody was going crazy about Hamilton and the city. Uh, tickets were like $500. The cheapest tickets were like $500. And I had a friend of mine who was just going on and on about how awesome the music was. And I had to listen to it and see it. And I just was kind of put off by all the hysteria. So I completely ignored him. And then about five years later, my sons came home and they're singing and rapping the lyrics to Hamilton that they learned at school from their friends. And so they said, Dad, you got to listen to it. It's really cool. So uh, we got it on Spotify and began listening to Hamilton. And okay, I kind of started to like it. And uh, the great thing about Hamilton, for those of you who have kids, right, you know that it's like three or four hours long. So you pop that baby uh, in the stereo on any kind of trip, and your kids are basically taken care of for about two or three hours, except for some of the love songs. We have to skip over those. But anyway, I came to appreciate uh, Hamilton more and more. And uh, a lot of Americans, of course, really resonate with the whole story. You know, this story about um, a young immigrant who has come to the big city, to the United States with dreams, and he wants to prove himself, and he wants to get ahead in life, and he wants to experience the most that life has to offer. And he is just going after it with all the strength and energy he has. And for those of you who know the story, I mean, how many of you have seen Hamilton? All right, so many of you have seen it. Yeah, we, we decided to go and see it as well, so I bit the bullet about a year ago, and, you know, I'm a little cheap, so I got the cheapest tickets that, uh, that we could afford, and uh, we were in the back. And when I say the back, I mean, if we were any further back, we would, like, be up against the wall because we were literally, <laughs> we're in the very last uh, aisle, the last row, but we had a great time. And there's a scene there where uh, Hamilton, who, of course, is the main character, he falls, meets and falls in love with Eliza Schuyler. But before he falls in love and marries Eliza, he has a little kind of heated exchange with uh, Eliza's older sister, whose name is Angelica. Angelica. Thank you. And there's a moment where they connect, and he approaches her, and, you know, Angelica Schuyler is this very beautiful, wealthy woman, and Hamilton doesn't have any money, so he needs to marry into some wealth. And he has an exchange with her, and he says, you strike me as the kind of person who is never satisfied. And she looks at him and says, excuse me, you forget yourself. Do you know who you're talking to? And he says, no, please, please don't sweat it. You say, you say, I get it. I'm never satisfied as well. And a lot of us maybe resonate with the idea of never being quite satisfied with what life has given to us. How many of us can say honestly that we feel perfectly content at this time? And I do wonder about how many of us are coming into Christmas with disappointments. 
and perhaps with heavy hearts, where things in our lives or situations that we're facing may not have been working out exactly as we had hoped. And maybe we've done everything right, and we've tried really hard to be a good person, and we've worked hard, and yet things are not in their proper place. And so we are grieving, and we're wishing that something was different. And there's something about Christmas which I think heightens all of these feelings, right? It's at Christmas that these things really come to the surface. I mean, if you have money issues, well, you're really going to feel those money issues at the holidays. Or you have relationship issues in your family or with friends, but probably those things are going to surface as well. And perhaps you're coming into the holiday and you've been wrestling with sickness, severe sickness, or perhaps you're getting old and you're really starting to feel your age And you're grieving over those areas of your life that are not in order. The Alpha Course is an introduction to Christianity course that is around the world. It's been translated into over 100 languages, and they estimate that about 24 million people have taken the Alpha Course, learning about Christianity. And the opening intro question on day number one is, is there more to life than this? And we resonate with that question is this all there is? Is this what I signed up for? Is this as good as it gets? And we feel that dissatisfaction, this wanting more. And friends, I have good news for you at this Christmas, which is to say that there is more, that this is not all there is. There is more, but it might not be what you expect. And I want to tell you a story about a man who got everything he ever dreamed of, but it wasn't exactly the way he had expected. It's not what you would normally expect, and his name was Joseph. Now, I'm sure that many of us are familiar with nativity scenes, and, um, you know, at Christmas time, a lot of the attention goes to, unfortunately, Santa Claus. He's not in the nativity scene, but a lot of the attention goes to the wise men and to the shepherds and to the angels, and a lot of attention, of of course, goes to Mary, But sometimes Joseph is a little bit overlooked. He's sort of in the background. Well, what do we know about Joseph? He was a carpenter from Nazareth. Joseph was a basic working-class Jewish man. And in the Catholic tradition, I know a lot of you come from kind of a Catholic background, Joseph is the patron saint of workers. He's sort of the classic, the quintessential laborer. We also know that he was of the tribe of Judah, and he was of royal lineage. So Joseph is related to King David, but there's nothing special about Joseph. Joseph's life will be very unimpressive by any kind of normal standards. He followed Torah. He probably went to synagogue on a regular basis, was actively involved as a Jewish person of that time. But there is nothing special about Joseph but one thing. And I bet you that the bright spot in his life, was his fiancée, Mary. And I can only imagine how, as a young man who's betrothed and engaged to this beautiful young woman, Mary, that that he was excited to, to marry her and to start a life together with her and to have a family. And I bet in all of his life, this was the thing that he was holding on to that was the most valuable and the most precious to him. But a couple months before Christmas, he received absolutely devastating news. That was a total, total disruption to all of his expectations, everything that he had been looking forward to. So take a look at verse 18 with me, and we'll read a couple verses. It, said, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to G- Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
Now, pause right there. It says that she's with child through the Holy Spirit, but Joseph at this point has not figured that out, right? All he knows is Mary is pregnant, and I'm not the father. So I know this kid's here today, so I want to be careful about what I say. I'd hate to ruin your Christmas Eve by uh, you going home and having to have a conversation about the birds and the bees. So I'm going to try to keep it vague and just want you to know that this was not what he expected for his wife to be expecting unexpectedly, and he is not the father. So put two and two together. You understand what that means. We know that it was the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't know that yet. I mean, can you imagine Mary coming and saying, Joseph, I'm pregnant. It was the Spirit, I swear. It was God, right? I don't know if he really was prepared to buy that at that point in time. So what does it say? Uh, Verse 19, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a good man. In the text it says he was a just man, or you could translate that as a righteous man. Right, Joseph's not a scoundrel. He, he really does love her and care about her. And even in his grief and disappointment, he's still trying to cover for her. He doesn't want to expose her. He doesn't want to tell the world, you know, what happened here. And so he has in mind that he's going to go through with it anyway. He's going to marry her, but then he's going to wait till after she has the baby to divorce her. Can you imagine the pain and the disappointment and the sorrow going through this young man's heart. The one bright spot in his life that he was looking forward to, and for this to happen, the betrayal. I wonder if there's some of us here today that perhaps can relate in different ways to a feeling of letdown, a feeling of disappointment, a feeling of like, is there more to life than this? After everything I've done, is this really how it's going to pan out? It's not fair. How could I be treated this way? Maybe there's some of you who have been working at a company for 10, 15 years, and things are going amazingly well, and then one day there's a transition of leadership, and a new boss comes in, and he doesn't appreciate you, and he doesn't listen to you, And he's got a whole different way of doing things. And you had a job you loved, but all of a sudden, practically overnight, you're like, what? This is horrible. And so you have to make a bitter choice. Do I stay here and tolerate this? Or do I walk away and give up everything that I've worked for for 10 or 15 years? Or maybe you've been in a relationship. Maybe you've been married. And you put your heart and soul into that relationship. But it's not coming back to you. Or perhaps you have a spouse who has been unfaithful and who, who wants to walk away. And you're like, how is this happening? How is this happening now? How could I be treated like this? Perhaps you're nearing retirement. And you've been working and working and working. And you are so excited to be able to take a step back from work, to be able to enjoy life, to use your time the way you want to do things, to spend time in recreation, spending more time with your kids or family, and then right at the moment where you're about to retire, you are hit with a devastating illness that leaves you incapacitated and barely able to do all those things that you had planned on doing. Right? Maybe this isn't your story exactly tonight, but I'm sure that in different ways we all can relate to this feeling of like, this is not right. We've been trying, and yet things are falling apart now. But it is in this moment that Joseph is facing, this moment of really intense disappointment and fear that God reaches out with an incredible, incredible message. So let's keep reading our story, um, looking at verse 20. This is what it says. But as he considered these things, behold, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, in place of this devastating disappointment and shattered dreams, Joseph learns something incredible about what God is going to be doing in his life and through the life of his fiancée, Mary. It's something that in his wildest imagination, he never could have predicted that he would get to be a participant in something so incredible. The angel from God comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't assume the worst thing here about Mary. What is happening with her is God's plan. It's something that God is doing in her life. She has not been unfaithful to you. God is birthing in her something incredible. He's coming into the world through the person of your fiance, and you are going to be a stepdad to the Son of God. You're going to take care of this man, and he is going to bring salvation to his people and to the world. Christmas was going to be a devastating, painful nightmare for Joseph. But it turns out instead to be perhaps the greatest night of his entire life. The, life, the, the, the moment that he gets to be beside his wife as she gives birth to Jesus. The Son of God who has come into the world to rescue the world. Joseph finds himself at the center of God's plan. And he has a choice now. Do I accept? Do I do what's being asked of me? Or do I run away? So what does Joseph do? Take a look at verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph decided to cooperate. He said yes. He did what God was asking of him. At this critical moment, he put down his own agenda. He put down his own disappointment, and he said yes to God. But I want to think for a moment, what does the yes really mean at the end of the day? What does it look like for Joseph to accept this incredible offer, this incredible opportunity that's been placed before him? Well, immediately after this, there is a scene where Herod comes after all the baby boys. He's trying to, de to destroy Jesus. And so uh, jo we, we, in the next chapter, we'll learn that Joseph has to take Jesus and Mary, and they have to run away to Egypt. So there's that. That happens. Um, we hear again about Joseph a little bit later on when Jesus is young, maybe you know, 10, 11, 12, where Jesus is left at, left at the temple and Joseph and Mary go traveling for like two days before they realize that G uh, Jesus is not with them. So they don't win the award for best parent. They have to go back to the temple to try to find Jesus. But there's a couple, you know, a couple spots here and there where, where we learn about Jesus. But you know what's interesting about Joseph? Sorry, but what's interesting about Joseph is that after that, we don't really hear from Joseph ever again. Do you know that Joseph is not, besides those couple of instances, in the entire rest of the Bible, the, the stepdad of Jesus is not once mentioned. He doesn't come up again. It's like he almost completely disappears from the face of history. Not at Jesus' death. He may have died, actually, before Jesus even became 30 years old. But it's so strange that 
somebody so important and so significant would just disappear from history and we barely know anything about him. Why is that? Well, the reason is because Jesus was just being a good father. He was just working his job. He was just providing for his family. There's probably nothing written about Joseph later because nothing really noteworthy happened because guess what? A lot of parenting is pretty monotonous. Sorry, kids. I hate, to, I hate to break that to you, but, you know, it's a lot of changing diapers. It's a lot of taking your kids on a walk. It's a lot of waking up in the middle of the night. It's a lot of taking care of sick kids. You don't get awards for these things. Nobody comes to you and says, oh, you're doing such a great job as a dad. No, no, you know, being a parent, is, it's not glamorous. It's, it's very normal. It's not fancy. It's not, it's not special. But guess what? A hundred of these little things, these little acts of faithfulness on the part of Joseph helped Jesus become the man that he would eventually be and go on to be the Savior of the world. Joseph gets no credit. And his whole life seems completely ordinary. It's so ordinary, we don't even hear about anything that happened. But Joseph was just being a good, faithful Jewish father. And I bet you that when Jesus came of age, Joseph took him aside and taught him how to be a carpenter. Joseph took him to synagogue. But Joseph is doing what I'm sure a lot of you fathers are doing. You're trying to do the right thing. You're going to your work. You're providing for your family. But you don't get a lot of accolades for this. And so maybe it seems like it was ordinary to the outside. But Joseph knew that there was nothing ordinary about what he was doing. And that even in the most mundane things of cleaning up a child's mess, changing diapers, bringing kids to bed, raising a family, that God had infused extraordinary glory into his life. Why? Because Jesus was no normal child. He was the son of God. He was the salvation of God that, that came into the world in the, in the form of a person. And Joseph got to know that even as he's doing all these normal parental things, that this is the, the son of God, the creator of the universe is right there in his home. And it's his job to love and to protect that precious person. There is nothing ordinary about Joseph's life, even though he is doing all the normal stuff that would be expected of a father. And so what does this have to do with us? We all want extraordinary, right? Nobody wants normal. We want a life that's epic. We want a great car. We want sensational experiences. But this Christmas, I'm here to tell you that there is nothing ordinary when you have Jesus in your life. God takes the most ordinary parts of your life and he infuses it with his presence and with his love. It might look ordinary and you might have to work your nine to five job or you might have to take care of screaming babies or you might have to do whatever it is that you do, but there's nothing ordinary about the life that God has called you to when you accept the call of Jesus to put your faith and trust in him and God comes and makes his very real presence known in your life, in your family. There is nothing ordinary about that. Jesus came into the world. They called him Emmanuel. And that means God with us. God came into the world to infuse the ordinary with the extra 
ordinary. Jesus came to save us from our sins, to wash away all of our shame and guilt, and to replace it with peace. Jesus came into the world to die on a cross, to reconcile us to God, to include us in his kingdom, in the renewal of the heavens and the earth, and he invites us to participate in that in ways big and in ways small. In this Christmas, you have an opportunity to accept Jesus's invitation. Even tonight, you could say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I put my trust in you. Yeah, I've been wanting something better. I've been disappointed that I recognize that in what you have done for me through Christmas, through the coming of Christ into this world, into my life, you've given me access to incredible, incredible beauty and glory. Your life will never be ordinary. There is not a single day in the kingdom of God that is ordinary. It may look ordinary, but God can and does infuse it with something extraordinary, and that is his presence and his love for you. Like Joseph, you are called to an important mission to prepare the way for Jesus in your life and in the world, and I hope this Christmas you'll say yes to the extraordinary gift of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this example of, G of Joseph. But more importantly, Lord, we thank you for coming into this world. We thank you that you did not give up on us, but that at great cost to yourself, you laid down your life for us to reconcile broken, sinful people to your Heavenly Father. So Lord, I pray that this Christmas may be special for each one of us in different ways. Lord, you see each one of us, you care for us, and you're with us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to take that in today and this weekend to know your love, to know your grace. May we put our faith and trust in you this afternoon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.